set out from Ramesses on the 15th day of the first month, the day after the Passover. They marched out boldly in full view of all the Egyptians, who were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them. For the Lord had brought judgment on their gods. The Israelites left Ramesses and camped at Succoth. They left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. And they left Etham, turned back to Pi-Haharoth, to the east of Baal-Zephon, and camped near Migdal. They left Pi-Haharoth and passed through the sea into the desert. And when they had traveled for three days in the desert of Etham, they camped at Merah. They left Merah and went to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there. They left Elam and camped by the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea and camped in the desert of Sin. They left the desert of Sin and camped at Dovka. They left Dovka and camped at Alush. They left Alush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. They left Rephidim and camped in the desert of Sinai. And they left the desert of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hatavah. And they left Kibroth Hatavah and camped at Hazroth. And they left Hazroth and camped at Rithma. They left Rithma and camped at Rimon Perez. And they left Rimon Perez and camped at Libna. They left Libna and camped at Rissa. And they left Rissa and camped at they left Kahilatha and camped at Mount Shefer. They left Mount Shefer and camped at Herida. And they left Herida and camped at Machaloth. And they left Machaloth and camped at Tehath. And they left Tehath and camped at Terah. They left Terah and camped at Mithka. And they left Mithka and camped at Hashmanah. They left Hashmanah and camped at Moseroth, and they left Moseroth and camped at Bain Yakan. And they left Bain Yakan and camped at Hor Hagadad They left Hor Hagadad and camped at Jobatha. And they left Jobatha and camped at Abronah. And they left Abronah and camped at Ezion Geber. And they left Ezion Geber and camped at Kadesh in the desert of Zin. And they left Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the border of Edom. And at the Lord's command, Aaron the priest went up Mount Hor, where he died on the first day of the fifth month of the fortieth year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. Aaron was a hundred and twenty-three years old when he died on Mount Hor. The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev of Canaan, heard that the Israelites were coming. They left Mount Hor and camped at Zalmanah. They left Zalmanah and camped at Punan. And they left Punan and camped at Oboth. And they left Oboth and camped at Ai-Abarim on the border of Moab. And they left Ayam and camped at Dibon-Gad. And they left Dibon-Gad and camped at Alman-Diblathaim. And they left Alman-Diblathaim and camped in the mountains of Arabim near Nebo. And they left the mountains of Abarim and camped on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. And there on the plains of Moab they camped along the Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth to Abel Shittim. And on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> Speak to the Israelites and say to them, 
When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols, and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Distribute the land by lot according to your clans. To a larger group, give a larger inheritance, and to a smaller group, a smaller one. Whatever falls to them by lot will be theirs. Distribute it according to your ancestral tribes. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you live. And then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. Thus far. Wow. Well done. I wanted you to hear that whole long list. You think, why? And you did so well. This is, this, this whole passage, this whole list is our text for this evening. And, and as, as it went through, 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 and you and I are thinking too, wow, this is the journey God took them on. Now, let me, let me just, for example, uh, Barb and I had talked a little bit and, and to illustrate uh, what we could do. I don't think we're going to. <laughs> but what we could do is I could say to you now, as you're sitting here, I say, okay, we're all going to get up and we're all going to walk to the back corner of the sanctuary and we're all going to sit down there. So we all get up and we all walk, we all sit down. And once we're all there, then I will say to you, we're all going to get up we're all going to walk over here, and we're all going to sit here. And then I would say to you, we could almost, I thought too, if we go maybe around and down into one of the rooms, that's a little further, and we all sit there. And we sit there for a moment, just comfortable. We all get up. We all go to fellowship hall. And you would be thinking, why why are we moving around? Because we're in the same place. <laughs> really, right? We are here. And so one of the striking things as, as we were traveling in Egypt, in that area, in fact, in the area where the plane went down, a plane just crashed, right? In the Sinai Peninsula. I don't know if you saw the pictures. If, if you... They, they show pictures of, and it's, it's just desert. It's, it's rock and rubble, and, and it's, there's nobody living there. There's no water, there's no trees. It's just desert. And that's where all these, all these names, especially, especially between verses 16 through 37, God had to move around. And we are reading it and thinking, oh, maybe, you know, you go from Calgary to Edmonton, you're Edmonton to Regina, Regina to, you, you know, God is moving them around to different places. But it's all the same. It's, it's very close, and there's really no difference. Why couldn't they just stay here? Why couldn't God have just 
kept them here. 37 years. For 37 years, he, he moved them around. So, so why did he do that? Why, when they were really in the same wasteland, Yeshimo, and we talked about that earlier, where you go and die, if you have to go there without God, you go and die. And with God they could live, but he moves them around. Why did he move them around? So just, just to reflect on that and, and to recognize, too, what that meant and what that means to us. From Numbers 33... You have to, first of all, realize when they left Egypt already, there was Egypt, beautiful water, trees, crops, food, everything. Egypt was life in the desert. Egypt was life to to that 10-kilometer wide, uh, the floodplain of Egypt, that was life, and it was good. And, and even as we travel there, you think too, man, this is, this is good. <laughs> it's lovely, and, and the water's good, and, and, and the food is good, and, and the, it's sunny all the time, and it's, it's, it's ideal. This is life. And then God says to them, no, God says this is death. This is death. Because in Egypt... They don't worship the true God. They have all their other gods of the Nile and of Pharaoh and everything else. And so if you are here, you will die. And you see that in the story of Egypt too, where, where the children are, are killed uh, in the river and, and where the people are enslaved and, and it becomes death without God. But to have that clearly in mind. But then God says... Go out into the wilderness. Go out into the desert. He's leading them out. And that is life. Life is in the desert, in the wilderness, but with God. With God. That's true life. And so under God's care, with the, the cloud by day and, and the fire leading them by night, to, to realize that our life, the place where we are truly cared for, is when we are right with God, following God. And not, not like the things of this world. Either. We look around ourselves, too, and say, it's all kinds of stuff without God in our culture. You think, oh, that's great. That's life, right? You can, all kinds of entertainment and all kinds of opportunity and everything in the, in the world of sin, though. It's just, it's just going to lead to misery and death without God. Our culture denies God, says God doesn't exist, that you are not to love or know or worship God. And in that, you will die. And so God calls us out of that supposed life, and and the Bible talks about that often, the temptations of the world and the things of the flesh. And it says, no, life is with God, in faith, in the Spirit leading us. And so this, this is the contrast. So the people 
in faith follow God. It reminds me a little bit of Paul in Philippians 3 verse 8. Paul says in, in relation to his uh, giving up uh, so much for Christ. He says, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And he's thinking of, of the things of the culture and of the world. And he says, I consider them rubbish. They are the wilderness. They are worthless to me for the sake of the gain that I have in Christ. So, so that's still the call on our lives that we would follow in faith our God. And really what happens, and, and the goal and the focus here is that, that they learn obedience. That's the thing. That in the wilderness, they learn just to live obediently before the Lord. So, we looked previously at Numbers 14, and there uh, we understood, too, that, that they didn't wander in the wilderness. They, they never wandered. We have to think, too, the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness. No, they did not wander. We have every, every place recorded here. God knew where they were. He knew where he wanted them to go. There was no wandering. Our lives, too. Really, God knows, God directs, God guides. So the sense of just completely aimless wandering, that's not correct. God is working. But here in number 33, where the list of places, and we do have the map. If we have a picture, here is the, the map of where they went. And bunch of the names that uh, I know read too, going down, down through uh, Merah and Elam, and then Rephidim and Mount Sinai, and then back up. So yeah, they moved around. The, the 37 years was, was back in by 12 there, and then back around. So they moved fairly quickly from, from Ramses down through their time at Sinai. Then they were going up into the promised land, and then they send in the spies by Hazaroth, the Nasi, the princes. Remember the princes? They weren't spies. They were princes. And they were going in to take the land. But then, then they, they fell too. God wasn't strong enough. And then for 37 years, they, they wander in that area between 11 and 12. They're just in there. And you can see how the line, the line fades. It gets vaguer. <laughs> That's where they were. Now, it's common in the Near East and in Egyptian records to, to list a list like this. So when God tells Moses to write this list, then, then Moses, Moses recognized this is done more in, in the history of things, the history of the journey. And so all the details are there. Uh, the bigger sections too, like from Egypt into the Sinai, uh, the, the different, it, it's broken down a little bit. 
Many of the names are obscure. Many of the names that are included here appear nowhere else in the Bible or in any history of this area. That's important. The list is there. God tells Moses to make the list, first of all, as a memorial, as a reminder to the people of God's gracious care. So through all this journey, and we need to be reminded of that in our lives too. Sometimes we lose sight of that. If we are living and we end up uh, in the present, in a difficult situation, then we lose sight of of what God has done. And so this is really uh, written so that the people will be reminded that God does care. God does lead. He has done great things. So that's one reason why this is there. Uh, the second thing is, is as, as he does this, he, he is trying to get them to, to think about how God has actually led them place to place, his power through the years, through the 37 years. And for us too, and, and so in response to this, I would challenge you, I, I just looked back in my own life, where has God led me through my 56 years? And just, just to, to see what happens, right? To think about that. Now, in my particular case, I was born in, in Kentville, Nova Scotia. Then Dad moved us to Duncan, B.C. And he moved fairly often. So after a couple of years, he moved us back to Barrie, Ontario, then he moved us to Terrace, B.C. Then he moved us back to Listowel, Ontario. He was called. The churches were vacant. There was a great need. And so, so okay, so we have... And then from, from Listowel, we went to Winnipeg. And then in Winnipeg, I left home to go to Dort. So I moved, called by God, to Dort College, studied there. Then I ran out of money at Dort. So then I went to Guelph. And my tuition dropped from like 8,000 to 800, and so that was good. And so I studied in Guelph for a year, and then I studied in Kingston for a year uh, with, uh, at Queen's University. And then in order to graduate, I went back to Dort, because you have to go two years to the school you graduate from. So I had to go back to Dort. And then from there, I went to Edmonton. And then with Barb, then we moved to Lethbridge. And then we felt the call to seminary through Redeemer College in Hamilton. So we went to Hamilton. And then from Hamilton, we went to Grand Rapids. And in Grand Rapids, had a summer assignment in Leduc. And then we went back to Grand Rapids. And then we went to Calgary for a year. And you're thinking, it's, yeah, I know it's not totally typical, but <laughs> after a while, there's a lot of places and a lot of things. And so, so through it all, that, that you reflect on, yeah, God's provision through the places of your life is, is one of the, the key things here. And just to, to have that assurance, thinking back on your life, on my life, on the, the realities of, yeah, there were 
There were ups and downs along the way, uncertainties along the way, where and how and why and why go here. And, and that just to figure that out, that okay, should go here, should go there, should do that. And, and some, some things too, you think, yeah, if I had known, I would have done it differently. But yeah, we trust the Lord, right? We, we trust in his leading, we trust in his time. And so this passage works with the, the reality that God is working in, in the people, teaching them uh, obedience is a huge part of that. They were, they were obedient as they left. When they left with Moses from Ramses uh, and, and made their way to Sinai, obedient uh, to God's will, got the law, went up, up, to entering the promised land by Kadesh Barnea, but then, then they were disobedient. God said, go in, and they said no. And so the 37 years they had to learn obedience. And how did that go? God moved them from place to place. When place to place was nothing different, really. Why not just stay in one place? Numbers 9, we're reading Numbers 33 here. Numbers 9 gives, gives an explanation of, of how it actually went. Verse 17 to 23, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the tabernacle, they built the tabernacle, they had it at the center. Whenever the cloud lifted, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites camped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. So it, it's obedience language. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the, camp, when the cloud remained over a long time, they obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. They're learning obedience. They're, they're thinking, wait a minute, why, why are we not, why are we staying, why are we going? We don't know, but we trust the Lord. When the Lord makes it clear, and they could, they could tell clearly, the cloud was moving. Okay, I guess we're moving. And so that, that trust in the Lord is at the center of it. The Lord's order, they did not set up. And sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. So, so you've got to imagine this whole group and they've got settled and they've got all their tents set up and they've got everything in order again and they're just there for a couple of days and, and the cloud moves again. And yet they go again. At the Lord's command they would encamp and at his command they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. Can you imagine only from evening till morning. Well, it wasn't so bad, maybe, because they were all packed up anyway. And so off they went again. So they learned obedience, whether by day or by night. So sometimes in the middle of the night, you would get woken up. The pillar of fire is moving. Get up. We have to go. But I don't want to go. <laughs> it's the middle of the night. We go. God says, go, we go. So that's the emphasis of the time. The Israelites would stay or go based on God's leading. 
and trusting in him. Now, the, the, the thing of, of the fact that all of the names, that whole list of names, um, from, from 17 to the end, they, they, there is nothing that they don't know. No one knows. No one has found those places. No one has found those names. But it was, it was God using just that, moving from, from insignificant place to insignificant place. There's no significance to any of those places. And that's striking. When names are in the Bible and, and listed, and you think too, and they have found everywhere all kinds of names, actual names, actual places, here, no record anywhere. But, but it's not the places, it's not the, the record, it's their learning obedience. So that when they come again, up, up through Jordan here, modern Jordan, up past Edom, across from Jericho, then then they are ready when God says to them, go and take Jericho. There's no question. I mean, Jericho was way, way tougher than going into the land by Kadesh Barnea. Jericho was, was impossible, clearly. But they had learned obedience. We need to learn obedience. And we can overcome all things. And so obedience is something that we also need to learn in our lives. Beyond our understanding of why, why not, we have no explanation. We simply need to trust God. There was never, if, if you look in terms of, of these places, maybe they ran out of water. Maybe they ran out of food for their animals. Nothing is said like that. There was water. There was food. God was providing in every way for them. Their clothes did not wear out. Their sandals did not wear out. It was simply God said, trust me. We're going to go now. We're going to stay now. We're going to do what you tell us to do. That, that brings us to, uh, like we need to learn that. It's always a struggle. We, in our human pride, and our, and our human, yeah, we, are, we, we like to know, and we need to understand, and we like to understand, and it's, it's helpful to understand things, but there's a lot we don't understand. So then what? Well, then we trust in the Lord. And then, even when in the book of Hebrews, it speaks about Jesus, and it says... In Hebrews 7, Jesus was a human like us in every way. During the days of Jesus' life, Hebrews 5, verse 7, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So like like us, Jesus cried out in, in uncertainty, in difficulties of life. Son though he was, he learned obedience. Well, Jesus didn't need to learn obedience. But, but in terms of, of his human nature, like we need to, he experienced that too. 
We need to learn obedience and trust in what God is doing. And so it even says that about Jesus. Interesting. And then it says, too, in verse 9, And once being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So that's our call, that we go forward in obedience to him, that we seek to be obedient to him with our lives. And and that's our focus and our direction, though we don't know exactly why and all the things that that happen to us and why they happen and how they happen and to explain them all, that's, that's beyond us completely. But that we would simply see faith, trusting God, seeking to be obedient to Jesus. So the wilderness of our lives, too, call us to trust in God every day, in every situation, and to to have this as a center as we go forward, to live in faith, true faith. Philippians 2, verse 8 says, Jesus was obedient unto death, even death on a cross, but God raised him up gave him the crown of life. As we are obedient, we will experience the life-giving power and presence of the Lord. And that's what's, that's what's being pointed to here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your work in your people long ago and even in us. And it's our prayer again, Lord, that you would grant us faith faith to trust in you and to seek to follow you in obedience, humbly, thankfully, in circumstances where, where we often don't know or are unsure. We trust that you know and that you are working things out for our good and your glory. Lord, we pray that you would continue to guide and lead us by your word and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.